Acts chapter uh, 16, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture this morning that is um, a little bit different, I suppose, uh, for Mother's Day. And um, but I hope that you will bear with me this morning. Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse number 16. This is uh, Paul's missionary second, I believe it is, second missionary journey as he and his companions were in uh, Philippi. And uh, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, records this. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you uh, the way of salvation. Verse 18, And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you, in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Verse 19, But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. And the crowd joined in attacking them, and the, magistrate tore the, uh, tore, uh, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave, them, or, gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into uh, the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, verse 25 says, And about midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. And they brought them into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. As I said, uh, this, this may seem an odd passage to read for Mother's Day. However, I believe it contains for us this morning uh, a very important message, not only to us this morning as a church, not only to families, but also, I think, to us uh, where we're at as a nation I did not immediately see the, the, the relevance of this passage uh, to Mother's Day until I noticed the contrast, and I just want to draw your attention to it, the contrast uh, between the unhappy slave girl in verse number 16 and the happy household 
in verse number 34. You see that contrast? It begins, the episode begins with a, a singular a slave girl that has no family, no mention uh, of a family. And it ends with a, with a happy household at the end of, of this passage. Then I noticed in these verses, uh, between 16 and 34, I, I noticed the contrast between this unhappy slave girl and this happy household. And I also noticed in, in these verses the, both the symptoms of and the solutions to the troubles that currently exist in our culture and, and in our world. Remarkably absent in the opening scene of this story is any sort of family for this poor slave girl. Remarkably absent from this opening scene is any semblance of a normal home for this slave girl, this little demonized girl that harasses Paul and his missionary company as they go through the streets of Philippi. And she follows them and shouts out and says, These are servants of the Most High God. And if you can imagine with your imagination... Uh, that she is not announcing this in a pleasant way. She's in a demonized way screeching that these are servants of the Most High, Most High God. It would have been a, it would have been an uncomfortable and awkward <laughs> scene to say, uh, to say the least. The Bible says, or the Bible doesn't record that she has any mother. In fact, you want to ask, you know, who is this little girl's uh, mother? Have you ever wondered that before? You see some kid misbehaving at in the mall or at the grocery store, and you say, you know, whose who's mother, who's, does this kid have a mother uh, or not? So she, this little girl has no mother that we know of, only, listen to this, only, she has only owners, owners who are exploiting her for their own gain, just exploiting her. There, there's a scene that I remember from the Robin Williams movie, Hook, it's been a while since I've seen that movie, and uh, but there's a scene that I remember from that movie, which is a movie about Peter Pan and Captain Hook, where a little girl who's ta- been taken captive by Captain Hook, she looks at the evil villain Captain Hook, and she says to him, you need a mommy. <laughs> you need a mommy. <laughs> Presumably, she meant that uh, he needed a mommy that would discipline him. <laughs> He needed, a, he needed a mommy that would spank him, a mommy that would love him, a mommy that would care for him, a mommy that would teach him between right and wrong. How many believes that this world, there are people, there are kids, there are people in this world that need a mommy? They need, this little girl needed a mommy, but she didn't have one. She only had owners that were exploiting her uh, for their own own uh, gain. This poor little girl in verse number 16, she needed a mommy, but tragically she had no mommy. She was at the mercy of those that were exploiting her for their own gain. And this is what a society comes to when the foundations of the home are destroyed. This is what a society comes to when the home is destroyed. A culture that enslaves its children with demonic influences rather than raising them with godly principles and with godly truth. I fear 
I fear that that's where our nation is heading. We have some who are willing, who some who are willing to put our children at risk for their own political or personal or material gain. In the process, as a nation, we have we have been uh, expected and we have agreed to just suspend common sense, not to mention biblical principles and to allow things that we know in our heart of hearts is wrong. Things that we know are wrong. Where is this little girl's mommy? Probably this little girl was an orphan. She was a slave girl after all, so her parents had probably been killed. She may have been a foreigner, and so her parents may have been killed. She had been taken possession of not only by her owners, but also of demonic spirits. But here's the question, where were the mothers, where were the other mothers who allowed this kind of exploitation to take place? Where were the other mothers who should have stood up and said, I'll take that little girl and I'll be a mother to that little girl? Here's a, here's a bigger question, where were, the, where were the fathers? Where were the men who stood by and watched as evil men profited from this demonic activity at this little girl's expense. And perhaps that's why for several days Paul put up with it because he thought and he questioned and he wondered, where is her mother? Where is her dad? Where, where is her family? Where are those that are going to stand up for this little girl? Where are the ones that are going to advocate for this little child, where are those that will speak up and do something for this little child? Surely, Paul thought, maybe in the back of his mind, he thought, surely someone's going to say something, somebody's going to do something about this situation. But finally, when Paul had had enough and he became greatly annoyed, how many knows that wasn't just, he did, didn't just get mad, it meant, that, it meant that he had righteous indignation in his spirit And his righteous indignation moved him to the point that he stopped and he turned and he spoke to the Spirit and he said, come out of this little girl. Come out. And the girl was was delivered. I I wonder when, I wonder if we will finally have had enough of what's going on in the world around us to finally stand up and speak up and say, enough. Enough of this. You know, I read, a, I read an article about uh, this week about how indifference and how ignorance is, is destroying democracy in America. It referenced, the, um, it referenced the so-called bathroom wars. Anybody not heard of the bathroom wars? <laughs> well, we're right in the epicenter of the bathroom wars here in North Carolina, aren't we? It referenced the bathroom wars, and it, and it spoke of how political correctness and cultural shaming are conspiring to keep good Americans from taking a stand for common sense and for common decency. The result is that our nation dies the death, and this is their phrase, the result is that our nation dies the death of a thousand cuts since no one will stand up and say, enough, stop. This is ridiculous. That's, 
That's why Edmund Burke, that's what Edmund Burke meant when he said the only thing that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to say nothing. The only thing that is necessary for the triumph is, of evil is for moms not to stand up and say enough. For dads not to finally stand up and say enough. It's for the only thing that's um, necessary for evil to triumph is for common sense folks not to stand up and speak up on behalf of God's words and biblical trip principles. Now, listen, I know that this is a, I know this is a heavy topic for a Mother's Day message, isn't it? In fact, before I was preaching, I was saying, Lord, I really don't want to preach this one on Mother's Day. <laughs> so I know it's a heavy topic for Mother's Day, but listen, here's why I think it's appropriate, because I can't imagine any mother who sees what's happening in our culture today and thinks that it's, a, that it's good for their daughter, or for their son. Instead, I think that any mother looks around the culture today and says, what is going on in our culture around us today? What is happening in the world that we live in? Here's the point. Our children, our children are at risk, and we need to be the ones that will stand up and speak up and say something on their behalf. The institution of marriage is under attack as never before. The family is under attack as never before. The family, which is the fundamental building block of a stable society, the, the fundamental building block of a so stable society is being torn apart by those who wish to advance a godless agenda. And it's time for somebody to stand up and say, enough. Notice that Paul did not rebuke the little girl, did he? He didn't address the little girl and rebuke her. No, it says that he spoke up and he spoke to the Spirit and said, come out of the little girl. Listen, we as Christians, we must learn in these last days how to speak to spiritual darkness without attacking people. Let me repeat that again because I think it's very important. In these last days, we as Christians need to learn how to stand up and speak to spiritual darkness without attacking people without talking about people, not talking down to people, not arguing with people, not calling names at people, not engaging in the same kind of rhetoric that the world engages in. Can I get an amen? That we as believers need to speak up and speak, though, to the spiritual darkness that exists. Let me remind you this morning that Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in this present age, and it's time for us to take a stand for, on behalf of our kids because we have children that are at risk. Now, that's not to say that you're going to earn many friends when you do that. <laughs> Did you notice that when Paul finally said, okay, enough, and he spoke to the Spirit and commanded that Spirit that came out, what did they do? They threw him into prison. Paul and Silas intervened, advocated for this little girl who had no mother, nobody to care for her, and the first thing they did was they threw them in prison. Listen, I'm under no illusion this morning. The reality is, is that we face, as Christians, we face a hostile culture, a culture that is becoming increasingly hostile to Christianity. This culture does not share our values, and they may not appreciate our stand when we finally speak up and stand up. But listen, we must understand that it should not, it could not 
prevent us from doing what we know is right and what is good. I'm thankful that we live in a free country, aren't you? I'm glad that we live in a, in a free nation, and I'm glad that to this point we've not had to suffer very much for preaching and for practicing God's Word. Still, we are free from very much persecution in the United States of America. However, our society has learned this. Our society has learned how to use the media and how to use commerce and how to use uh, education sometimes and other means to pressure, to shame, and to coerce us into not speaking up and doing what's right. There are now signs that the government is even adopting this same kind of attitude, and I fear that it bodes ill for those who choose the side of, of common sense and American values and religious freedom. I fear that, or I believe that a time of choosing is at hand for Christians, and I'm not talking about the election, that a time of choosing is at hand for Christians, and we must be, listen this morning, we must be exceptionally wise in these last days. And we must know when and where to draw the lines that, if crossed, may result in us being discriminated against, disenfranchised, possibly persecuted, thrown into prison. (laughs) But it cannot prevent us from standing and saying what we know is true and what we know is, is right. So how should we respond when... When what we say is rejected? How should we respond when everyone around us mistreats us or calls us crazy or shames us or tries to coerce us? How should we respond when they mistreat us? I have two suggestions this morning, all right? Number one, never stop praying. Never stop praying. There's moms here that know the power of of praying for your kids. Can I get an amen? There are moms here that are still praying for their kids today to be saved. And moms can teach us the power of persevering prayer. So never stop praying. And number two, never stop singing. Because the prisoners are always listening. Did you notice that? It says that Paul and Silas were thrown into prison, and yet at midnight it says they were doing what? We sang about it, the choir sang about it this morning. At midnight, they were praying and singing to God. And the book of Acts says, and what? And the prisoners were listening. I'm telling you this morning that we live in a culture that's hostile to Christianity. But even in the darkest hour, we can't stop praying. You shouldn't stop singing because no matter how dark it gets, the culture is still watching and they're still listening to Christians. They're going to see how we respond, what we say. So no matter how dark it gets, keep on praying. doesn't matter how dark things get in America. Keep on praying, amen? That's a command from God's Word that we should pray for those that have authority over us. Do you believe that? Say amen. We should pray for revival. We should pray for renewal. We need to pray for a great awakening in our nation. Listen, I have prayed, I said, and I've confessed to you already several weeks ago that the Lord dealt with me about not praying enough for our country. 
And so I'm just confessing again. I'm reminding you of my confession, okay? And saying I have never prayed more for our nation than I have been praying for our nation in the past, oh, uh, six, eight months or so. So I've been praying, and I'll, I'll confess that sometimes I say, Lord, I'm praying, but I'm not seeing anything get any better. <laughs> but that's okay. Keep on praying. Amen. Keep on praying. So I don't know if this morning, looking around in our culture, there's a lot to be discouraged about. There's a lot, a lot of things to be worried about, but keep on praying. Never stop praying and asking God for deliverance. Can I get an amen? Second of all, never stop singing. Listen, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how difficult it becomes, don't let anyone steal your joy and your song. That's one of the most dangerous things that I see happening in the world uh, right now is that Christians are becoming just as bitter and angry as the people in the world around us. And listen, if there's no difference, then we have no witness in the world around us. We as believers cannot allow anything to steal our joy. We as believers can't allow anything to take our song away from us. Amen. Never stop praying. Never stop singing. How many remembers mom praying for you? How many remembers my, I used, I remember my mom uh, singing in my household. I still sing some of the songs that she used to sing to me. I still, well, sometimes they're older now, so I don't sing them as much. But I used to sing some of the same songs she sang to me. I would sing them to my kids as well because it put a song in my own heart as well. Never stop singing because the culture is listening. Prisoners are watching and they're listening to how we're going to respond. So no matter how dark it gets, keep on praying. No matter how dark it gets, gets, keep on singing and believing for that day when God is going to shake this world. Keep believing God for revival, for deliverance, because it's never too late as long as God is in control. And how many knows God is always going to be in control? Amen? It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter who gets elected in November. God's position is not up for grabs. Amen? But he's still in control. He's still God. Amen? He's still in control. So don't stop praying. Don't lose your song. Believe God for deliverance. And this story ends on a happy note. The story ends with the jailer's entire household. The jailer had been listening and hearing. And when they were delivered and he came in and Paul says, hey, don't kill yourself. We're all here. The jailer comes and falls down at Paul's feet and says what? What must I do to be saved? How do I get what you've got? (laughs) How do I become the kind of person that you are? How do I get that joy? How do I get that peace? How do I get that power? How do I arrive at that presence of mind? And so the jailer and his entire household was saved and baptized. I'm telling you this morning that the hope of our nation, the hope of our nation is the home. That's why the devil is attacking the home as never before. The hope of our nation is marriage, or the hope of the home is marriage. So the devil is attacking marriages, the devil is attacking the home as never before, because 
Our, our nation can only be as strong as marriage and the home is. Because that's the foundation for our society. And listen, here's the good news. The hope of every home, the hope of every home is not found in Washington, D.C. It's not found in Raleigh, North Carolina. The hope of every home is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mothers and fathers that will lead their children to Jesus Christ. That's why this passage ends on a remarkably hopeful note as the entire household of the Philippian jailer is saved. That's what I'm believing God to do in these last days is to save moms and dads and children and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles that entire households would come to know Jesus Christ. You want to see that as well? The hope of our nation, the, the hope of our nation relies on the gospel of Jesus Christ.